Right, um, let's start with a this, with this message. Uh, today I'm going to preach on um, the origin of the law and uh, this will be the first part of explaining what it means to be in the flesh. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we've been thinking that being in the flesh is just uh, to sin, you know, when you do something wrong. And uh, then we start to understand that being in the flesh is, is a being under the law. But there's a, even a greater concept on what it means to be in the flesh and what circumcision means and all those kind of things. And so uh, I'm going to, in the series on uh, what is, you know, the fulfillment of the law, I'm going to touch on all those things. But uh, for today, we're going to just talk about the origin of the law. What is the law? Uh, you know, if I come to you and I say to you, the law, the, the meaning of law will be different to every person. You know, if I say the law in South Africa, now, you know, it's got a certain, you've got a certain concept of it. If I said the law 20 years ago, there was a different concept of the law because we still had the apartheid law. If I say the law in America, it's completely different to the law in South Africa. You know, I saw something on the, uh, on the internet, uh, a friend of mine posted it on her uh, Facebook page, where uh, the pol a policeman wanted to confiscate a gun from a young young guy that walked in the street or I think he was walking in the street he had the gun on his you know strapped to him and um, and then some people phoned in and said there's a guy with a gun here and then they came and confiscated the gun and then he started to and he obviously must must have been a lawyer or studying law you know and he quoted all the things from the law you know and then uh, eventually got his gun back now I was thinking if I try that with a policeman in South Africa <laughs> They might tow you behind a vehicle, you know, <laughs> because we've got, <coughs> you know, this, this is South Africa. The, 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 the guy that reads the law, the, the guy that catches you doesn't understand the law. You know, so you come with your law. It's different. It's a different country. If you go to Germany, it's going to work different. If you go to China, the law is going to be completely different. So if I say law, you know, uh, we shouldn't be under the law. What is the law? We need to understand what that law is. Now, a law would be, um, like I said, there's, there's different laws, but a law would be a principle. Like you would get the law of gravity. Now, the, the law of gravity or gravitation says that the force by which these two things attract each other is, if you take the mass of the one sphere and the mass of the other sphere, you multiply it with each other and you divide it, by the distance between the two spheres, you, you determine the force between these two spheres because there's a law that says you can even measure it, that objects attract each other, you know. So, um, uh, and, and, and like that can even be measured. So there's a law, a law of gravitation. Things gravitate towards each other. Gravity itself, if you go and study it in science, people still, until today, don't really know what it is. Um, and then they say, then they want to say through science they prove that there's no God, but they can't even understand gravity. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, but, but there's a law that says things gravitate towards each other. Now, that law can have different commandments. Um, it can either work for your good or it can work against you. Uh, the, the way it can work for you is you can work out what the, the, the force of gravity and by that you can determine how strong a bridge must be um, to go over a gorge and you can safely travel from one side of the gorge to the other side in your car at 120 kilometers per hour no problem you know because you understand these laws because you know how to work according to these laws you know you understand this principle and then this principle can also work against you it can be if you if you apply it in the wrong way like for instance if there is no bridge at the gorge don't walk don't continue to walk because you will surely die because there's a law of gravity you know it's going to pull you down and then um, it's like my father said the fall is nothing but the sudden stop at the bottom is the problem um, you know so it's it's so gravity it, it, it's going to cause your death in the very same way, there is a law, a principle, that can kill you. And this law already existed before man was made. 
and we're going to look into that law where that law comes from let's open the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 Genesis 3 and we're going to look at this principle because in the Bible there's two laws the law of sin and death and the law of life two basic laws okay the law of sin and death and the law of life to recap just in short on what we said last Sunday is that the law of sin and death which we now today know as the Ten Commandments which is actually the commandments of the law now what we said is there is a law and the law has got certain commandments like gravity there's a law of gravity and there's certain commandments concerning this in the same way we find the law that can kill you and there's certain commandments about this law which was the Ten Commandments Second uh, Corinthians 3 we, we, we read that the ministration of death was written on stones we read in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 55 that the power of sin is the law we read in Romans 7 verse 14 that you will never experience perfection by the law so the way unto imperfection is this specific law now this specific law was never understood um, in in the in church in broad it was just see as the Ten Commandments which was actually the commandments it still leaves you with a question what is the law if I say to you these are Ten Commandments of the law okay what is the law uh, like in South Africa we've got commandments but what does the law say we get the, the the constitutional law basically talks about every person's got the same right that's the law and from that law we've got thousands of commandments in church we have it you know in the olden days it was only about the Ten Commandments you know then it became church laws on how to dress dress code um, how you should pray how you should fast what kind of a fast is a good fast what kind of a fast is a bad fast and all of that was was some people say no fast is a good fast you know okay well, anyway um, all of those things still brought death if you recall if you think of the events in your life you know after you received the Lord Jesus or even before you experienced death then you ex receive Jesus you experience joy for a time then you go to a certain uh, organization and um, you start to ex and, and they tell you what to do to experience more life and then you experience death again and then you go to another place with a deeper revelation and you still experience death and hurt because it's all just different commandments but it's the same law okay so um, and then we said that Jesus looked at the law of Moses in a different way because the Bible says in the volume of the book it's written of him of Jesus and the word volume in the Greek and the Hebrew means the heading in other words when he took the Old Testament when he took the Old Testament and the law Jesus said the heading like we see here in um, you know if you take your Bible and you open in Genesis 1 verse 1 it says there uh, the creation okay that's the heading so that heading says what is what's written in that piece in the same way actually in a bit of a different way the heading said to Jesus written unto Jesus it was addressed unto him so when we read the Old Testament we can only read it from the perspective as a letter written to Jesus because Jesus said in the volume of the book it is written of me you never wanted any sacrifice but you prepared a body for me Hebrews 10 you prepared a body for me that I will sacrifice this body will be sacrificed for every human being so when the Bible spoke about circumcision it spoke about Jesus when the Bible spoke about the Lamb of God it spoke about Jesus when the Bible speaks about the scapegoat it talks about Jesus when the Bible talks about the manna that fall from heaven it talks about Jesus it was never even written unto the Jews now we know it was written unto the Jews but the deepest understanding of the law is that it was written unto Jesus so when you read the law you can read it from this perspective either read it as a Jew you know which is not going to help you or you can function from Gentile perspective which means you're not even allowed to touch the book or read it at all okay or should you want to read it you can read it in the way in that would bring salvation which was 
reading it in the context that it was written unto Jesus hallelujah thank you Lord so we cannot if you read it in a different way you're gonna find yourself enslaved in deeds of in deeds that would promise salvation because that's what it was written how it was written it was written listen if you sacrifice this if you do this if you do this then salvation will come that's and was written unto Jesus that way so that when he reads he could see what he had to do in order to save us so now when you don't read it as a letter written unto him you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble it's like you know opening the mail you know and uh, you find a letter there that says you owe the bank you still owe the bank 50,000 Rand but you know you've paid 25,000 already and you see it it's there you, your husband reads it and says my lovey if you've got a problem in in how to spend money you know let's talk about it let's go for counseling but because obviously I've given you the money and you are abusing the money because here we see you know we still owing we still owing another, uh, you know 50,000 you don't pay what's going on and then after a big fight you realize it was addressed to the neighbor <laughs> wrong address you know they put it in the wrong post box so in the very same way you know after years of struggling this morning I heard there's a guy I don't know I think from overseas he's coming to South Africa and they've got a conference called the love conference and um, they said that after 70 years of studying the scriptures and and after 70 years of preaching to massive crowds up to 700,000 people in one meeting this guy realized it all boils down to love now you can after 70 years realize it boils down to that or you can get it today amen, amen. it is all about love and not how much we love him or how much we love our neighbor but about how much he loves us okay Genesis 3 I just wanted to give a little recap there on on last Sunday Genesis 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more subtle than any beasts of the field which the Lord God has made and he said unto the woman yes has God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden and the woman said unto the servant uh, unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God said you shall not eat of it neither shall you touch it lest you die and the serpent said unto the woman you shall not surely die for God does know that in the day that you eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant for the eye and the tree was desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sew fig leaves together and made themselves aprons now this is a very old story but it's there's so much truth hidden in this I thank God for Genesis and the whole creation story because we can understand what God has given us here and where we are today here we see that the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field he comes to the woman he says to the woman has God said that you should not eat of every tree in the garden and then God said she said I recall that God said that we shall not eat or touch of any um, on, on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when we eat thereof we will surely die then he says God knows that the day you eat of it you will be like God by knowing good and evil and that is the law let me explain it to you when Adam and Eve was made by God they were made by and they were like God based on a certain law what was that law that law was the principle of birth or the law of birth or the law of creation meaning when God made Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth and he blew the breath of life into them they were like God because of God in them that's the law that was a law there's a principle that says if God indwells me and lives in me and I believe it then who he is will manifest in me that's a law it's, it's a law like gravity that's the way it is then there was another law that says 
Now, this law says you will be like God. If God said, God said, let, let us start in Genesis 1 verse 26. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. How did he do that? He took dust which had no life. Then he blew the breath of life into that dust. Meaning, he gave it life. The life in it was his life that he generously gave as a free gift to dust. So that dust can feel how it feels to be like God. So that's what he did. He gave it for free. So the principle is that dust can be like God given that God gives his life for free to that dust and it indwells that dust. Then dust can be like God. Okay, so that means you can be, there's a principle, a law that says, called the law of life. If God, God's life is in me, then I can be like Him or I am like Him. Then there's another law that says, I don't worry about this law. I can be like God by having knowledge of good and evil. That's another law. So when we say that we are under the law then we talk about then we don't talk about the Ten Commandments we don't talk about the Church Commandments we don't talk about the government law we talk about the principle that says I can be like God I can find my life and this life that will manifest in me will be equal to God by this principle by knowing good and evil now God says that that law will kill you. Okay? It's called the law of death. The law, there's a principle by which you can die. This is the principle. You look at what is good and what is evil, and then you live thereby, and you will surely die. That's a law. Like gravity, you cannot escape it. It doesn't matter if your motive is pure or not. It doesn't matter. It shall kill you. Here Eve was deceived. When a person is deceived, what happens is they actually go into the thing being deceived, having a pure motive, you know, having a pure heart. But what happened to Adam and Eve, although her motive was so pure, or although she was deceived, deceived means I don't know what I'm doing. She still died. It's very simple. You know, if, if they go and put, give you poison and you think it's water, guess what's going to happen when you drink it? You're going to die. It's a very, in the very same thing here. So there's a principle, a law that says, and God called it the law of death. Or the ministration of death. And this is the ministration. Should anybody believe that they can observe and have knowledge of good and evil, they will die. The law of life, should God indwell you, you will live. That's it. That's the two laws that there is. The law of life and the law of death. Now this law of death, um, where does it come from? Why would God create such a law? You know, <clears throat> Many times in, if, if you go and read, I think it's in uh, Isaiah 46, the Bible says, God says, I create light and darkness. I make good and evil. I, the Lord God, is the one who creates these things. And then you think, God, but how can you do these things? And then he goes on and he explains, he says, I command the, the, the sky to rain down righteousness and then you reject it. So what he's actually saying is, by giving a free gift, I create good. And by you rejecting it, I've actually made something evil as well. Because um, of your rejection of it. It's not he that created the evil. It was like me going to the Dutch Reformed Church today, and I stand up on the pulpit and I say, I want to just announce a great truth. You know? You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues. I mean, I bring something that's good. But I create a lot of evil. 
the moment I said it. You know, not because of me having any evil, but because of people rejecting it. So if I say this is the only life and you reject the only life, what? Something that never existed comes into existence called death. Now where did this come from? You know, I always uh, had this question and I preached in this church, um, but I just felt to go through it again. Where does this law come from of sin and death? Why did God give that law? If God never planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man, it would have been wonderful. Isn't it? Haven't you always asked the question, why did he plant that tree? And I always heard the reason God planted that tree was to test his people as if they are faithful to him. You know? And I thought that. I thought God, obedience is very important to God. So he wanted to see if we would obey him. Therefore he planted that tree, warned us, gave us a fair warning. And then we've got our opportunity to obey. This is, this is my view. I didn't um, get this from some book somewhere. This is just my view. So you can listen to it if you watch it via the internet. You know, study this out for yourself. Um, uh, and see if you can agree with it or not. But this is how I see this tree and where this tree comes from. I know God cannot make anything evil. God cannot bring death. He is a God of life. He is life. He is love. He is good. Okay, so where would this evil come from? Now, I believe that the fall of Satan was prior to the creation of man. Okay? Prior to the creation of man. Um, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit hovered over the waters of the sea. You know the word waters in the Hebrew means urine. It wasn't a nice place. Okay? It didn't smell very good here. The whole earth was like that. Without form and void. Nothing. And the Spirit hovered here. Okay, now, does God create something that looks like that? To my, my common sense is, I don't have 20 verses to prove what, what, what my common sense tells me here, but I believe in verse Genesis 1 verse 1, God created the heaven and the earth. That's it. And then the fall came and the earth was without form and void. And God is rebuilding re this whole place. Okay, now, the fall of Satan, I believe, was prior to the creation of man because this tree of knowledge of good and evil was planted before man was even made now where did this tree come from <clears throat> Ezekiel 31 Ezekiel 31 and this talks about the fall of the uh, uh, a king or basically a uh, um, let, let's just read, read it from verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the eleventh year of the third month, in the, first year, uh, in the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art like you in greatness. So here he comes and he basically quotes what is written in uh, Ezekiel 28, was written in Isaiah 14, when it talks to Lucifer, when it talks to the king of a certain king in chapter 28 and now talks to Pharaoh, all types and shadows of Satan. You must realize there's types and shadows of Jesus in the Bible and there's types and shadows of the devil in the Bible. Now, a type and a shadow of the devil here would be Pharaoh. The reason I say that, you can go and read it in Revelation 11, it says there that Jesus, it says that Babylon is Egypt, is Sodom, where our Lord was crucified. Jesus was never crucified in Sodom. He was never crucified in Egypt. Um, and then it says there, which is Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified. So Jerusalem, spiritually interpreted, it says there, is Sodom, is Egypt, is Babylon, where our Lord was crucified. So what does that mean? Types and shadows, we talk about the king of Babylon, you talk about Satan himself. The king of the system that wanted to destroy man and kill man, that's full of the ministration of death, is Satan. Jesus said that Satan was a murderer of mankind from the beginning. So here is the king of this kingdom that wants to kill people called Satan. A type and a shadow of him is, uh, um, in this instance, in this verse here, is Pharaoh. So he says here, say unto Pharaoh. 
Now it's going to talk about Pharaoh here. It's going to say to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you are a tree. When you're going to read it, you're going to see it. It says, Pharaoh, you are a tree. You are greater than all the trees in the garden of God. Now was Pharaoh ever in the garden of God? Never. Adam and Eve was kicked out long before there was a Pharaoh. But here it says, I liken you basically unto a tree in the garden of God that was greater than all the other trees. Okay. And then he's going to talk about how this tree was, was, was basically come, came to destruction. Right, this is what it says. Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon a fa with fair branches and shad sh shadowing shroud. And had uh, um, his high structure and his top was amongst the thick boughs. The waters made him great. So here it clearly says that this tree was so big because the waters made him great. The deep set him on high and her rivers running round about the plants and sent out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Therefore his height was exalted above the trees of the field and his uh, boughs were multiplied and his branches became long because of the multitude of the waters when he shot forth. Now, what he says here, he explains the law of God. He says, this tree was a bigger tree than all the other trees. The reason why it was bigger was because of the water. He was planted there where the water came out of the ground. And then this water made little rivers and went to the other trees. So this tree had more water than the other trees. That's why this tree was bigger. And the other trees were smaller. So it wasn't because he was more special. It was because of the doing of God. God made him that way. That's what he tries to say here. He says, this tree, this, and he talks to Pharaoh here, you are a tree higher than the other trees. You are more beautiful than the other trees. Uh, your branches are very big. You've got a wonderful shadow, you know. You look awesome. Like I always say, I compare this tree with a tree. The best example of this would be Avatar. Have you seen the movie Avatar? You guys are too too, Christ, too much Christian here. Watch Avatar. Okay? <clears throat> Watch Avatar. It's a good movie. Then you see the big tree there. That big tree is much bigger than the other trees. Okay? But if you go and see, they, the, the biggest deposit of this one thing was under that tree. Okay? But anyway, in the very same, same way here, the, the biggest deposit of water was where this tree was. And it was bigger than all the other trees because of the water. And then the rivers went to the other trees. They also got water. So they were also made by God the way they are. But this tree was bigger because of the amount of water. Not because the tree was special in what the tree could do or the tree's ability or anything, but because of the water. That's the law of God. We are what God makes us. Amen. Right. Now look at this. Therefore, his height was exalted above the other trees of the field. His boughs were multiplied, like we said. Verse 5. All the fowls of heaven made their nests in his boughs and under his branches the beasts of the field brought forth the young and under his shadows dwelt great nations. Thus was he fair in greatness and the length of his branches for his roots were, was by the waters. Okay. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. Like he talks about the cedars in the garden of God could not hide this massive tree. The fir trees were not like his boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like his branches, nor any tree in the garden of God was like unto him in his beauty. I made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. So here we see God made in that way. Now listen to this. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have lifted up yourself in height and has shot up his tops amongst the thick boughs and his heart is lifted in height, I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one so that he will be destroyed. Okay, now this is what happened. This tree had this wonderful stature. So beautiful, bigger than all the other trees, as we read, because God made him that way. Then he lifted up his heart in his stature. Okay? Then he said, I give you over to destruction. In other words, you were kicked out, if you want to call it that way. Kicked out of heaven, if you want to call it that way. Whatever you want to, uh, your, your dogma is concerning that, he was kicked out. Why? 
because he believed in his stature and he didn't believe in the water that's a simple truth he looked at what he at his ability at the beauty of his branches do you see here it all the time talks about size and beauty big beautiful the others envied okay wow like we get today you know you, you get somebody that's intelligent and, and that's a good sportsman and gets a big business. All of a sudden, wow! Okay? Now the person that's in the business, he can think two things. One or two things. He can think, well, this is what happened because of God's doing. Or he can say, look at what I've done. That's a difference. That's a difference. The one's belief is in his ability and in his stature I am what I do what you see here defines me where God's way is different he says no the water defines you I define you I made you this way now Satan started to lift his heart you know remember when I taught on on the heart of God we believe with a heart unto righteousness he lifted his heart his heart was lifted up into his stature so he started to believe with his heart in his stature his belief was formed by his ability instead of having a humble heart believing in the water believing I am what I am because of him so that caused the fall of Satan and that brought forth a belief that said I am what I do I am defined by what I do. That belief pre-existed the creation of man. So when God, so God had knowledge of this. He knew that there was something like that. So when God makes man, so, so I mean God knew about it, he spoke to him, cast him out, the whole thing. So when, when God made mankind and he said I'm gonna make him in my image and in my likeness and meaning I'm gonna give him my mind I'm gonna give him all the knowledge I possess when he gave him that knowledge obviously in that moment Adam opened his eyes there was the knowledge that there is a system that says you can believe in your ability because he God gave him the fullness of his mind I've said it many times how did Adam know the names of the animals because God made the animals then he said to Adam name the animals and then after he named them God said the name of every one of these animals they are the names of the animals so he was right he wasn't wrong and if you really look at naming there the end verse there says and he found none of the animals was like him and then God said it's not good for man to be alone let me make him a wife so what he was actually saying he didn't he, he didn't only have the ability to name the animal but he also had the ability to know everything about that animal in its nature okay he knew everything he had the very mind of God and he knew in that mind there was a historic event that there's someone and something that could believe in himself in his ability because obviously Adam had great ability he could know all things how did Adam know all things the, I mean the, the, the animals was made before Adam was made so all of a sudden God Adam knows everything about the animals all the names of the animals why because the mind of God when God made them was in him and when he woke up he woke up to all that truth Amen. he knew it he knew it okay that's how he also knew that there was a fall that's why he also knew that there was knowledge of good and evil and to me this is my theory that is how that tree was planted that's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is it's the belief that you are what you do now some of you it might be hair raising to you now I do believe in a physical creation I do believe in the physical trees and the physical garden but I also believe that there's a spiritual thing about the whole thing. The Bible says that, we, that Jesus is the tree of life. You know, He is the tree of life. And the Bible says we will be, He will give to those who overcome to eat of the tree of life. Now, who is Jesus? A tree? 
No. In the very same way, the Bible says He calls us trees of righteousness in Isaiah 54. So are we trees? No. We are a planting of the Lord. God planted us as trees of righteousness. By what? By what He did in Jesus. Amen. That's how you were planted. As a tree in the garden of God, full of righteousness. And we are these trees of righteousness. Okay? And then you get plantings where, where Jesus would say, you are of your father the devil. To the Pharisees. They were not a planting of righteousness. They were a planting of the knowledge of good and evil. Because they were born from the teaching of the Pharisee. They were not born of the seed of the word of God. They were born of the seed of the devil, which is the belief that says, I am defined by what I do, for the Pharisees boasted in their flesh, the Bible says. They said, I am like God or a son of God because I am a Jew. There are really people that don't like it when I say anything against Jews. I'm not against Jews. I love Jews. I love every race there is. You know? Um, but I think it's unfair to tell a Jew that he is saved because he is a Jew. Because you are deceiving him. You are preaching the message that uh, the snake preached to Adam and Eve by said, you are who you are by your flesh, by what you are. You are going to kill the guy. You wipe out the nation. It is. It's worse. I tell you now, I think what the church is doing to the, to the Jews by preaching to them that they are, you find church groups preaching to Jews that they are saved because they are a special people in their flesh. It is, a worse, it is worse than what Hitler ever did. Hitler is a Philippi member. To what the church does when they teach Jews that you are special because of your flesh and not because of what Christ has done. Okay? Define yourself not by His doing, but by your flesh. So here we see it. It was in the beginning. It started with Satan. It started with the one that was in the garden of God that fell, that was higher because of God's doing, and then he believed, his heart was lifted up in his stature. In other words, his heart became proud, became boastful. His heart started to believe, I am what I can do. And that caused this great fall. So, that is, that is what I call the law of death. The law of death is to believe. That is to have your heart settled in your stature, your ability, you'll die. The ministration of death was then written on stones. That's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 3. It's amazing when we start to see these things. And, you know, I, you might say, but Bertie, you break my bong, you know? You're scaring me. Because what if I'm under the law? Well, you know, listen. The whole idea is to just focus on the good news. Amen. And I'm not saying that if you've got some law somewhere in your life, you're going to go to hell. But what I'll tell you, and I'll guarantee it to you, in any area of your life where you do have law, you'll experience death. You will not have peace. You will feel, I'm not good enough. You will be judgmental of yourself and others. You will never, in that, as long as what you believe in that, I am what I do, be happy. If you've got a simple thing, you know, I am undefined by what I wear. Just clothes. Just by what I wear, how I look, my hairstyle and, you know, the latest fashions and all those kind of things. You, if you define by that, you will either have the heart that you think you're better than others, or you will have the heart where you feel, I never measure up. You will not feel beautiful. You will not feel beautiful. You will feel, I... When you look at yourself in the mirror, 
you will never see beauty you'll never see beauty I remember when I was in school before I got this 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 message you know and it took some years for this message to change my heart that when I look in the mirror I look beautiful to myself now look at my kids they look in the mirror and say then they say man actually moini son, you are you are like Aubrey's there in the hospital and one of the doctors the, the lady doctors come there said a handsome young guy she he heard her say it to another doctor you know tall and handsome so okay so so then he, he became red and he's like oh yeah, yeah maybe I'm a little bit handsome you know but he is he is if he but it's all based on your belief it's all based on your belief you know and that's the, that's the whole thing you can only see what you believe so if the moment you start to believe I am what I do you will only see you, you will be good as long as what your hair do is right and you will mix with people that you maybe never wanted to mix with you'll only mix with people that can pay for a hairdo that costs a thousand five hundred rand you're not going to mix with others because that's not your kind of people you know it's your your whole focus is wrong because you are under the law of death the law of death but there is a law of life the law of death says you are what you do and if you are not you need to become that by using your ability you, th that's what that law says the other law says God already made you that and you awake unto that truth by believing that truth yes. that's the other law Amen. now uh, Mark 11 says Whatsoever you ask the Father, if you believe that you have received it, you will have it. That's what the Greek says. So it says, you, if you ask anything and believe that you have it already, then you will have it. Now that sounds wrong. But that is, that is God's law, the law of life. This is what the law of life says. The law of life says, if you really have something, and you are persuaded of what you have you will see it in your life that's what the law of life says it's common sense now what God did was he gave the fullness of the Godhead unto mankind by placing the fullness of the Godhead in a human being and that human being he then called the high priest of mankind okay which is now true about every man so that we can now have a gospel where we preach the law of life and say to every person you already have it all Amen. to the lost we preach that because how will they have something unless they can believe they already have it you know and we don't trick them into you already have it and then they quickly get it and we we, we slip by you know by tricking them into it no 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 they have it because Jesus did it all for mankind is seated at the right hand of God for mankind so that that's what the Bible says I read this verse in the beginning here by faith we've got access into the grace wherein we stand you are already in the grace now you've got access to this grace wherein you already stand you know you cannot have access to grace unless you already stand in it you cannot have access to eternal life unless you're already in a place where it has already been given to you as a free gift and that's the whole thing with Adam Adam fell because he believed the wrong thing he believed that he is he started to eat off the fruit of believing that you are what you do so I hope this helps you to understand what the law is there's two there are two main laws the law that says you have it all the law that says everything is given to you and it's manifested by persuasion in it and the law that says you look at ability and try by a, and believe in your ability to be like God or have life and that law will kill you belief in any of these two laws is what gives you access to it
But that's where we are today. We are right there today. And just, I just want to say for, something for people on, on the internet. If I say people sin today, I'm not saying Jesus didn't take away the sin of the world. What I mean by sin uh, is, because people say where there's no law, there is no sin. The context is not that Jesus took away the law, therefore nobody can sin. The context of it is this. Jesus took away the law, and the person that can believe it doesn't live under the law anymore, and therefore there is no more sin. But the person that still lives by the law, he will obviously find the fruit of sin in his life. What is sin? Sin is not to be a partaker of. That's what the Greek literally means. I'm not partaking of. So if you say, if Jesus Christ came and gave eternal life as a free gift to every man, who are the sinners? Those that refuse to partake of that life. That's the sinners. Now what is the fruit of not partaking of life? It is death. How does death manifest? This is how the Bible says death manifests. It says through unbelief what's going to happen? You're going to be in the flesh. The fruit of the flesh is going to manifest in you which are called sins. Like lying, stealing or whatever. And that will kill you eventually. You'll die. So the system, the law still exists. But the law is not... There's um, not more verplichtend. What's in English? Compulsory. Compulsory. compulsory because in the old you were compelled the only way was the law there was no other way but now Jesus ended the law took the law completely out of the way yet that belief system still exists today we preach all the time for people not to believe in the law because the law system is still a, a system by which people can live should they want to it's still there the only thing Jesus did was he took us out from that so that we are not forced to live by it or be enslaved by it and he took us out now the gospel is preached so that we can believe again and not eat of the wrong tree believe in the right law the law of life I'm not against a law I am against the law that kills you I thank God for the law that says, should I, you know, should God live in me and I believe in Him, I will live. I thank God for that law. It's a law that you cannot get away from. It's like I said on Facebook, I think two days ago, I said, looking at Jesus, you have to put in a lot of effort not to have great faith. Because He produces faith in you, you know. It's like saying, looking at a guy that approaches you with a gun at night, you know, you will have to have put in a lot of effort not to fear. Because who he is produces, what the situation produces it. In the very same way with the gospel, if we can just preach the truth. So, for this session, this is what I'm going to talk about, this is what I wanted to share. Know this, that the law is this principle of I look at ability and by ability I get quality of life that gives room for commandments because now I can say if you love the Lord your God if you love your neighbor if you don't judge if you pray if you do this if you do that and those are all just commandments of one law and that's why that brings forth, that's why Paul could say that that law brings forth death. Now imagine a time where there was no other law available for man, but only this law of death. And Adam signed a contract wherein all of mankind was compelled to only live by that law. Imagine a time like that. My goodness. Must have been terrible. You could not be a free thinker. You could not be a person that says, I don't believe this. How can you not believe it? It's the only thing available to believe. We were enslaved. Then he came and he said, The man that is compelled to live by the law, I'm going to kill that man. God incarnated himself into that man and died. Then he was raised up by the Holy Spirit. Not by obedience to the law. The law never raised him. 
The Spirit raised him. The spiritual interpretation of, of the law. The, what Christ has done for us, the love of the Father, the glorious love of God, raised him from the dead, okay, so that we today are a new kind of a being. We are a being that live not by the law anymore. We are not compelled to live by this law. We are now at a place of free choice, free will, where we can believe in what He has done. Should you not believe in it, you know, what will you have? You are just eating of, the, of death. Can you eat of death today? Obvious. Let's end off with that verse in Romans, in, in, in uh, Romans 7. Romans 7. Let's read from verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law. Okay? For when we were in the flesh, the motions or the passions of sin, which were by the law. So what does, what, what does the law do? It brings motions or passions of sin when we were in the flesh when we were seeking justification another word for justification is let me put it God's quality of life or eternal life I wanted to live when I wanted to live by the law the passions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death so when we were under the law what happened it brought forth fruit unto death but, but now we were delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment. So, if you want to give sin an occasion... Getting under the commandment, okay? Wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. So what is he saying here? He says, the only way to end sins in your life is by not being under a law. For the law brings forth these sinful passions in you and by those passions your life is destroyed the end of those passions is complete rejection of God okay he says here that is what the law does then it goes in verse 9 explains he says for I was alive without the law once when was Paul alive without the law just after he received Jesus I mean, he wasn't alive. Some uh, uh, people try to use that verse and say, no, Paul was alive without the law uh, somewhere in, in the time before he accepted Jesus. Impossible. He was not allowed alive without the law then. He was circumcised on the eighth day. The only time when he would have been without the law was in the seven days before that. And I'm sure he cannot remember the wonderful life he had in those seven days. Then he was circumcised. After that, he was trained to obey the law, the Ten Commandments, which was an outflow, a branch of the law, the ministration of death. It was a wonderful uh, um, system by which you can really die. And he tried to obey that. Then there was a time when he was without the law. When are you without the law and live? He says, I was alive without the law. The only time where you can have life, where it says, I don't find all these sinful passions in me. I find this life in me. When was it? It could only have been after he received Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he went and he preached. And then he said, I found that when the commandment came back again, in other words, is it possible to go back to the law again? Yes. When the commandment came, I found sin revived. He had a revival. Okay. By the way, that's the only word revival, basically, in the Bible. You can go study it out. Sin revived. And I died. Then he says, who shall save me from this body of death? 
What is the body of death? It's a human body put under the body of the law. Who shall save me from this? I thank God through Jesus Christ. There is, therefore, chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore now no more condemnation unto death for those who do not walk, for those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh or the law. That's why we preach this gospel. Should you be in the law and uh, uh, the law of death and find your whole life in the law of death? I'm not talking about being weak in the faith or you not having strong faith or anything like that. But should you give yourself wholly to the law and Christ returns, there will be no spirit in you to revive you unto immortality. How will you live forever with God? Because by what must you be raised? Because the Spirit will raise you. The, the, the word Spirit in the Greek is the vital principle animated. Or a principle animated. So the principle of God, this law of God, when it indwells us and Christ returns, it, it this law of life, will, which is also called the Spirit of God, will take our mortal bodies and make it immortal. But if you don't have that principle, but you've got the principle of I am what I do, how will you ever get into immortality? Impossible. That's why we preach this, that people can believe it, that we can be saved or be in a safe place. Hallelujah. So, let's not, and, and I hope by last Sunday service and this service, that your mind gets saturated with the emotion of the best way to apply the law is not to have anything to do with it. Amen. <laughs> Should you really be passionate for the law, read it as a letter written unto Jesus. And it will bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's just close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you for your great love. I want to thank you for your peace and your joy. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of the gospel that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, that this message can settle into the minds of every person present here. Those that's going to get it next Sunday, the CDs, those that watch it via the web. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that this message will spread all over the world and their lives will be impacted with this truth. I pray for every person here today that they may have a mind enlightened so they may understand how high, how wide, how deep and how long your love is. Thank you that we don't have to live by fear but we can live in the safe place of being pampered by you in the law of you have given us life as a gift. And thank you that we are your kind and that we live by persuasion, faith. We've got the privilege of having the Trinity's quality of life where they believe in each other, they trust each other, they love each other, they have mutual peace, they influence each other. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't just come and give it to us, just say, well, this is yours, you don't have a choice, but that you've given us this life on the level of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is awesome good news I mean, if you are here today and, and I just feel I want to pray for people that feel depressed I just feel led to do that if you are watching via the web or you are here today and you've got this underlying depression that's pulling you down I want to pray for you today and I want to say some things to you If you feel the press today, I want to say this. The only answer to your problem is to eventually believe what he says. That's the answer. I'm not saying you cannot use pills. I'm not saying you cannot go for counseling. As long as what you know that the answer eventually is to believe what I've preached to you today. To believe that Jesus, His life, is your life. You have righteousness as a free gift. 
you have been healed 2,000 years ago, to believe that God looks favorably upon your life, to believe that you are beautiful, that you are wonderful, that you are accepted, that God feels at home with you. If you want to be healed, the end would be to believe that. You can go through counseling, you can get maybe some tablets that can help you in the time when you get your mind renewed by listening to the gospel, but that will not be the answer eventually. It will only be to believe this truth. There's no other way. This is the only way. Thank you, Father, for your life. I pray for every person here today that struggles with depression, that feels negative. I thank you, Lord, that your life flows through them. I thank you, Lord, that they can feel loved by you, that they can feel blessed by you. Thank you for that, my Father. Hallelujah. You know, the Holy Spirit is present here. Holy Spirit, the way we, you can experience the Holy Spirit now is the emotion that rises in you when you think of this wonderful life principle of what Christ has done for you. You'll feel it. You know, that is called the Holy Spirit. And that's how I experience the Holy Spirit. And by that thought, you know, of what Christ has done for you, you will find thoughts coming to your mind which will be called the voice of God. That's how God speaks to you. Obey those voices, you know. He might tell you many things. He can guide you in ways on how to conduct your business, how to conduct your health. Listen to it. It's the way God speaks to you. He's not far from us. He's very close to us. Amen. Amen. I want to just say that I love you guys so much. You are precious to me. You are precious to God. And it's a great honor for me to preach this message to you. And I want to assure you that I'm not ministering or preaching this word to build a ministry at all. It is about you. I want you to experience this quality of life. That's all it's about. Thank you so much for, for coming. Uh, those of you that want to give towards the ministry, the boxes are in the back. It's just as you feel in your heart. And uh, no, God loves you. Let's fellowship a bit together. Amen.